The views and opinions expressed during Iron the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. Your dial is currently tuned into Iron the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Janini Kekwa, and I'm the Public Affairs Director at WKNC Radio. And today's episode is going to be weekly news with your favorites, Abigail and Avery. Hello, guys. This is Eye on the Triangle. My name is Abigail Ali, and I am the Assistant News Editor at Technician, and I am here with... Karol spinoza Hein, one of the Managing Editors at Technician. Today, we are bringing you more segments, or more tidbits, about things going on in the Triangle area. We will take turns giving you our little tidbits, and yeah, let's get started. Okay, so my first tidbit this week is about something that I've seen on multiple news platforms, and that is that North Carolina is getting its first car manufacturing company coming to it. Uh, The one... That will be here is VinFast, and it will be 30 minutes outside of Raleigh in Chatham County. The manufacturing site will focus on electric vehicles and eventually battery building. VinFast will be putting in billions of dollars towards the new site and plans to eventually employ over 7,000 people. According to News & Observer, if the company meets its hiring goals, they will get a state incentives package worth over $800 million over the span of multiple years, as well as local incentives that will take the total of those incentives to almost a billion dollars. I found this to be really interesting because I was recently listening to a New York Times podcast called The Daily, and they were talking about the U.S. as well as other countries taking a an interest in cobalt, a material that is used in electric car batteries, among other things that are commonly used by people nowadays. And they also talked about how part of Biden's administrative, one of his programs is pushing for auto companies to come up with more electric vehicles and to distribute charging stations more across the U.S. because they're kind of just congregated around big cities, I'm pretty sure. Basically, yeah, they're just trying to make ways for purchasing uh, electric cars more reasonable for people as a way to help the environment. Since listening to that podcast, I have noticed a couple of brands like BMW and Kia advertising their new electric cars. So this is a thing that is happening. And now North Carolina is putting their take into it. not only in man- manufacturing the cars themselves, but also building the batteries, which is, like I said, becoming a big commodity. And it's really interesting. So one question. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how like car manufacturing works. So when you say, like, I guess, like there's a car manufacturing place coming into town. Like, mm-hmm. do they make like certain models of cars like Toyotas or do they or so, is it, like general parts? From what I could tell, which people should probably fact check this, it seems like they're their own brand. Mm -hmm. Like they're just from a different country and they are going to be making, they're going to be focusing on making their small SUV model as well as a larger SUV model in electric cars. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw in the News and Observer article. But 
Yeah, I'm not super familiar with the company VinFast, but that's what I learned. Interesting. And yeah, I was just going to add that I think I've been living in the triangle for about five years now. And I've definitely noticed like an increase in like electric charging stations for like electric cars, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I remember like when I first arrived here, I think there was like two charging stations in like downtown Wake Forest and others more. Definitely mm-hmm. a lot more in like downtown Raleigh and like the general Raleigh area. Yeah. So. And I feel like that was, at least from what I've heard from people, a big inhibitor about buying electric cars is that if people were to go traveling and stuff, it's kind of hard if you don't know where charging stations are and if you might not be guaranteed a charging station. And so having more, I think it be, makes it more accessible. But I have a question. Would you get an electric car? Ooh, that's a that's a great question. I'm not really much... Like, I'm a commuter. Like, yeah. I'll start off by saying that I'm a... Um, yeah, let me repeat. I'll start off in saying that I'm a commuter. I drive to school and away from school, I think about 30 minutes every day. So not a terrible drive, but not necessarily the best one. So I've definitely had, like, a fair bit amount of time my, in my old car. Um, But I don't like driving that much in general. So I've kind of like, I don't know, until I have to actually buy a new car, I'll be like, okay, do I want an electric car or not? Um, yeah. I'm not against it, though. Fair enough. I feel like I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, I'm fine right now, but mm-hmm. maybe for the next one. Yeah. So before I get started on my on my first story for this episode, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Are you by any chance like a sports head? Absolutely not. That's I am the... <laughs> Neither am I, but um, one story that caught my eye was that Duke and UNC, their basketball, men's basketball team will play in the Final Four in New Orleans. Um, a lot of news outlets are calling it a historic meeting. Essentially, since it's like, it's the NCAA, it's basically like the big games for like both of these teams. They're really good. And yeah, I I will say that I'm not a huge a huge like sports fan but i do love like for some reason i love seeing like the unc duke rivalry yeah as a state student that's fair um, i think there's a lot of people who are like it's like the worst thing ever like it's so overblown i think it needs to be over like i love it <laughs> i i personally love it i love seeing the rivalry i love i love how passionate people get about these games and i love i guess like the after parties and like going to the games and watching the games yeah so that's why I'm pro Duke UNC rivalry. <laughs> but essentially, like both of the teams are like now in New Orleans, according to News and Observer. And then over like in a few days, they're going to actually start playing off against each other. And it's going to be pretty historic. Yeah. I wonder how many North Carolinians are making the trek all the way to New Orleans. Yeah. That'd be a fun trip. Basketball and New Orleans. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're saying like Bourbon Street, which is like the street where, you know, like Mardi Gras happens yeah. and like everything. That's going to be packed for like this upcoming weekend. Yeah. Um, can you imagine people rushing Bourbon Street instead of rushing Franklin? I would absolutely love that. Um, I will say as a person of rushing Franklin Street experience, nothing comes. Yeah, I, that's what same. I've heard. My sister went to UNC and she's I feel like that's her favorite thing ever is like rushing Franklin. That's all she talks about. And so, yeah, I feel like rushing Bourbon Street would just be so funny, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and probably a lot of fun. Yeah. But I'm very excited for, I guess, these, like, few up, 
like this upcoming weekend and see like where these teams lead up to. Yeah. Even if I am an NC State student and I have thoughts about our basketball team, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll say so. Some background, I guess, some background information that the News and Observer has given us that I will like basically like say on air is that for Duke, if they essentially win this, it'll be like the sixth national championship. Their coach, their coach gets Coach K. This will be like the sixth national championship. Like Coach K, we'll see, and then. If UNC wins it, it'll be their seventh NCAA title um, and the second in the past five years. That is according to News and Observer. Um, so, yeah, pretty big game, not just for, like, people and, like, the UNC-Duke rivalry, but, like, for their respective yeah. sports departments just because it means so much for their players, for their coaches. Um, I'm also expecting those tickets to go super expensive considering oh, yeah. the last unc duke game there was like a thing where like duke students were paying like thousands of dollars oh my god like absurdly high amount prices couldn't be me but hey it's probably going to be worth it if it's going to be that historical exactly for my second tidbit for this week i will be talking about how according to the raleigh city of raleigh website casa a nonprofit focused on Providing permanent affordable housing is planning to build a 100-unit apartment complex that will be called Kings Ridge. The complex will be designed for people exiting homelessness and with incomes at or below 60% of the area median income. In addition to being an affordable place to live, the complex will also offer a plethora of supportive services including things for mental health, employment assistance, substance abuse treatment, child care assistance, and more. Um, I, for one, had not heard of the nonprofit. I think it's CASA. I couldn't figure out what the letters stand for. It's Mm -hmm. C-A-S-A. But apparently they have a few complexes around the triangle area kind of like this, where it's like people pay what they can based on their income, and they have all these resources that can help them, and... They have a solid place to live. They don't have to worry about not being able to have somewhere to live. Like, it's a pretty cool thing going on. So, yeah. Yeah. I know, like, around the Triangle, there's a few, like, restaurants where Mm -hmm. they have a similar pay model to that. Where it's, like, if you don't have enough money to, like, pay for food, then, you know, you can get the food for free. And a lot of their funding comes through, like, donations and, like, patrons essentially being like i think this place is cool i want people like come in and like pay what they can to get like a like a like a meal yeah Um, do you know how they're getting their funding it looked like it is a lot of donations Mm -hmm. and then like the they have like a monthly subscription thing you can do and then um i think the people that live there do still have to pay something but they base it off of how much money they're making not just it's not a set price. It's just what they, it's like a third of their income is going to their rent, but what their income is varies. So, yeah, I think it's mostly like donations though. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I don't think it's a very common practice also to like, I guess, base like rent off of like estimated income. Mm-hmm. Um, like even in like, like I'm pretty sure like even in like, 
left-leaning countries mm -hmm. like in Europe, outside of Europe, and yeah, basically like left-leaning countries like all around the world, they usually tend to have like a like a stable rent for like certain neighborhoods, and you kind of like you pay for your place essentially. Yeah, like that even happens in like left-leaning countries, and so I think I think it's pretty interesting seeing like a project like this where it's like like we want to make. I guess like rent accessibility equitable so it's like we're gonna base mm -hmm. you know like renting the apartment off of like how much you earn yeah and i also like it's permanent housing like the people can stay for as long as they want and mm -hmm. don't have to worry about being kicked out as long as i guess as long as they're just like not being chaotic but um yeah it's really impressive and i'm assuming it works because they have other places around the triangle that are already running so yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing. I hadn't heard of anybody else doing it either. Yeah. Yeah. So this next story is something that was published on Technician, NC State's newspaper. But essentially, there is an organization on campus called We Bleed Red, which essentially their goal is to get like women's like menstrual products or just like menstrual products in general on like bathrooms so that people can have like access to affordable products yeah essentially affordable products um yeah obviously you know like getting in like menstrual products is not like the easiest thing on campus especially since like i think the closest might be like the cbs mm -hmm. on hillsborough street and like for people who don't have a car which is like a sizable amount of like the student population especially yeah. for like freshmen and like sophomores that's pretty hard to get access like yeah and it's kind of depending on where you are it's a trek to get to that target sometimes mm -hmm. yeah and that's not even counting like traffic like what mm -hmm. time you're going and like obviously like as you mentioned the amount of time so what this organization is doing is they're trying to get like menstrual products on as many bathrooms as they can basically i think right now they only have like eight bathrooms across campus that have like free menstrual products provided by the university and then they're working on getting more menstrual products across campus yeah the in interesting thing about the we bleed red thing was the that organization hasn't gotten like uh like they haven't been shouted out for the work that they've been doing for the menstrual initiative across campus and then mm. like i know for that article they had one of the people from maybe faculty senate or something like he's kind of heading up the initiative i think and he gave a very vague answer or like reply to the article that they're going to give credit in the future to the organization that did a lot of work but it's it'll it'll be interesting to see if they actually do that which me and some of my friends and stuff have talked about how the initiative alone hasn't been talked about that much. Like they sent out an email. I heard about, I heard Randy Woodson talk about it in a meeting once, but that was like just because of technician. Otherwise I wouldn't have heard of it. And yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, It's a pretty big initiative. And I know like on social media, like quite a few of the current members have like posted about like how they don't get recognition from like the university. Yeah. Um, I remember like there was a social media post by the like official like NC State account, I think, mm -hmm. where they like mentioned, "Hey, we have like 
free menstrual products yeah. in like these bathrooms and this is cool um but obviously like the the organization that was advocating for it for years because this has been like a thing in the works for basically yeah. years to this point and it's only really changed because you know like people are now more open to the idea of like free like menstrual products should be free and accessible for mm-hmm. everyone and yeah there's a lot of history like behind this issue like just in nc state alone like a lot mm-hmm. of advocacy that's happening like basically for like a little more than a decade i want to say yeah definitely more than a decade and like people advocating for this to be a thing on campus and like until very recently it's actually like a thing yeah you guys should check out the article and look into the history of it because it's kind of interesting and it's a little deep Mm -hmm. my final tidbit of the week is going to me back Going to be me babbling on about RAL Today, which is an Instagram news page that gives you information about stuff going on around Raleigh. Um, RAL Today stands out from other news outlets in Raleigh due to its heavy focus on local businesses and happenings around Raleigh and the Triangle area. I kind of use it oftentimes for like figuring out where pop-up markets are, where new local shops are opening, um, internship opportunities, restaurants to impress my family with, breweries to go to, and other stuff. Like, it's just really cool. Their Instagram is also always really super updated. So whenever I need something to do, I just run to their Instagram and see what they've been talking about recently. And it usually gives me a lot of good options. Like, sometimes they'll have, like, top 10 places in Raleigh to go get coffee or top 10 places to go do this. Like, they always have different ways you can get ideas to find something to do or they'll tell you that this organization is having a pop-up shop or the new museum of art is having an event or whatever so yeah if you like eye on the triangle i know you will enjoy ral today so check them out especially now that spring is here they are constantly posting because there's so much to do right now in raleigh yeah i think that's pretty cool i definitely give your sentiment that there's a lot more to do in like the spring and summer than mm-hmm. like the fall and winter. I think fall and winter events only really happen around like seasons. Yeah, they and do. There's a lot of seasons in like the fall and the spring, not the fall and spring, fall and winter. Yeah. Compared to like the spring and the summer. But that's obviously for a reason because they tend to be the more like droopy months. Yeah. Raleigh's bursting with stuff right now. Raleigh has a lot of outdoor stuff if you guys don't know, but you probably do if you're listening to this. But. There's so much to do outside, and right now they just everybody's doing stuff. So, all right. So, for the last, I guess, news tidbit that we have for you guys is a bit of a not commentary, but it is about politics. Um, so, as you all may or may not know, Justice Jackson is going to be voted on very soon on whether she should be in the Supreme Court, and. Our NC senators have already given their opinions on it, which I think are quite interesting. So Senator Richard Burr announced Thursday that he plans on voting against her confirmation to the Supreme Court, mainly over the over her position on court packing. He says, quote, court packing is a transparent paragraph. Justice Ginsburg and Justice Breyer both rejected court packing at the next judge. 
Justice who joins in the court should do the same. Unfortunately, Judge Jackson's answers on the question, both in our confirmation hearing and our personal discussion, continue to be unsatisfactory. Um, another quote from Burr says, quote, While she is undoubtedly highly qualified, knowledgeable, and experienced, based on our discussion, I cannot support Judge Jackson's nomination when it comes before the Senate. And Tom Tillis is essentially mirroring a very similar sentiment about like Justice Jackson's opinion on like court packing after like a very long interview process she had in front of like congress a few days back um i watched like a little bit of it it was very intense at times i will say that's as far as i will divulge my opinion and it seems according to like political analysts and it's pretty obvious from the get-go that it's going to be a very partisan vote, but she is expected to be confirmed. Yeah, I haven't done a ton of research on the topic, but what from what I've seen, I don't. Nobody's given me a great reason to not support her. So mm-hmm. yeah, I find it interesting when I see people say stuff because it's like, I don't know. I feel like there hasn't been a huge reason, so I hope she makes it and she probably will yeah yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna stray away from voicing my own opinions on it but it's definitely been a thing on she's already expected to get the thing so i guess the option here is like whether you agree or disagree with her on like certain issues regarding not necessarily like her personal opinions on how specific cases should go about but her opinions on, like, the court itself. Specifically, like, our senator said, like, her opinions on, like, court packing and, like, Mm -hmm. how future decisions about the court should be made by, like, the public and, like, the court and the government in general. So I I just think that's really interesting. I guess, like, the discourse behind this, like, supreme, supreme court scenario. Yeah, over the past few years, obviously, we've had a lot of discourse regarding, like, supreme court judges with, like, Kavanaugh and obviously like over the past few years we've had a lot of I guess a lot of public discourses about like certain certain like Supreme Court judges definitely with Kavanaugh in like the late 2010s Amy Coney Barrett last year alone um, and obviously like a few other people who are involved in the Supreme Court like Justice Sotomayor and then we've had a lot of a lot of yeah. yeah, a lot of change in the Supreme Court over the past few years, and then like obviously with change in our federal government comes like a lot of discourse surrounding our federal government. So, yeah, for sure. Well, guys, that is all we have for you. Thanks for joining us again. This is Eye on the Triangle with Abigail and Carell, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Music in this episode has been North Oakland Ecstasy by Squad of B, licensed under the YouTube Audio Library. This has been Janini Kekwa for WKNC Radio. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can listen to more episodes at wknc.org slash podcasts. And you can also tune in every Sunday at 6 p.m. to hear new episodes from Eye on the Triangle.